know we're uh, finishing up Ephesians today, coming to the end of Ephesians after several months. And it occurs to me that uh, over the last six months or so, I've had two different people come and say that they didn't. Uh, one person told me there were people that didn't understand because I speak too deeply, I preach too deeply. Um, and to them, I would say, study to show yourself approved. Amen. Terry and I, when we came to the Lord, we were part of a church that, uh, um, for membership, we desired to be a member there. And so for membership, you took uh, nine weeks of class every Friday night. Are you listening to me? Every Friday night from 7 to 9, and it usually ended up 9.30. We had two small children we put in pajamas, and they slept in the uh, room after they were taught, ministered to. We lugged them and carried them home. And you had to, to be a member, you had to make each class, and then the beginning of the next class, you had a half an hour exam from the, test, from the class before. And if you missed a class, you had to wait until the next series of classes started. The only way you, you could uh, get out of doing that is with a doctor's excuse. But let me tell you, after nine weeks of study and, and, and learning about the, pre- the basic things of the Lord who God was, who Jesus was, who the Holy Spirit was, uh, what the baptism in the Holy Spirit was. We knew, and we were hungry for God's Word. You can't do that today. Everybody's in three-minute mode. Yes, tell me all about God, but you've got ten minutes. See, Popular to get together and hear a 15-minute message after a 15-minute worship and a half an hour of dancing drinking coffee. And to those people, I would say, we're in a serious time. We've got to know what God's will is. And we've got to study to show ourselves approved. And if we're not studying at home, if you're waiting until Sunday morning to get all of God's Word, a half an hour out of 168 hours, you're behind. You're behind. And so, I make no apologies about speaking the Word of God and preaching through the Word of God. Is it deep? Of course it is. This is serious business. It's eternity. It's not something that we work at and leave and go somewhere else. It's the kingdom of God. Amen. Enough said. Enough said. We're in Ephesians chapter 6 today. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, kind of winding up the book of Ephesians. And it's appropriate that we wind up with warfare. One of my favorite professors and a good friend of mine that's now in glory, Brother Mac, used to say, every Christian should say at least one violent prayer a day. One violent prayer a day. To come against the enemy that is trying to destroy humankind. 
That's his job. That's the number one thing on the office in hell is destruction of all human beings. How many know you give him an inch, he'll take your life? He's not fooling. There's no mercy, there's no pity. He doesn't take time off. And so Paul appropriately, at the end of his letter to the Ephesians, says in verse 14 of chapter 6, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. May God bless to us the reading of this portion of His Word. So Paul begins by saying to stand. Every Christian has the anointing and the provision to stand. None of us should be running for cover. None of us should be running away, but running toward the battle because we're guaranteed victory. Having done all to stand, the scripture says, stand. The enemy is a defeated foe. The only thing is he hasn't got the message yet. So he's going to continue to attack. You know, our position in Christ is because of Christ. Christ gave us this as his representatives on this earth to win. God in His compassion and love put us in a war stance. What parent would put their child in harm's way so that they would be defeated? Every parent would put their child in a place where they're guaranteed victory if you could. I, when I was raising my children... I made sure they could drive very early because I was scared. I lived in New York when both kids got driving age. And in New York, uh, they're crazy in New York driving. And so at 12 years old, I had my son driving in, in parking lots in the mall. My daughter, I did the same thing because I knew that they were going to be put in harm's way and I wanted them to be equipped. And so far, so good. They've had some fender benders, but they're okay. Christ gave us the victory before the war. Listen to me. He gave you the victory before the war that you're facing. I don't think any of us in this last year, 2020, surprise, surprise, surprise. Hasn't it been the weirdest year? Come on, somebody. I mean, it's like you wake up in the morning and go, what's going to happen today? I saw a little thing on Facebook with a bunch of people around the corner and they had a long stick and it said July 2020 and they were pushing the door open 20 feet away with this stick. (laughs) What's the surprise? (laughs) 
standing. We've got to stand for what God stands for. Knowing that He's given us the victory before the battle. So as we're standing, our vertical relationship with Him. Who am I in Christ? You have to know who you are, what your identity is. You're a child of God. You're completely forgiven. You're washed in His blood. Come on, somebody. So all those things guarantee us a position of victory in Him. And it's almost like we pray and say, God, can I miss the battle and get the victory? All of us pray that prayer. Don't look at me like I'm strange. God, let somebody else fight the battle and I'll take the fruit of the battle. Can I just get circumvented and get around it? No, we all have to face a battle. So who am I in Christ? I can't do that for you. No one can do that for you. Your spouse cannot do that for you. You've got to know who you are in Jesus. You've got to know. Because in the darkest hour, in the weakest moment that you have, that's when the enemy strikes. And you have to know who you are in Jesus. Secondly, what does he require of me? What does Christ require of me as a child of his? What's the scripture say? Pick up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. Be a servant of all. What's he require of me? He requires of me to walk as he told me to walk. And what is his role in my life? See, if I'm led by Christ, come on, somebody. If I'm led by Christ, I'll please him. And I'll walk in peace. Joy. I'll tell you what, I can get upset reading some of the stuff and I try to stay away from it because most of it is penned by idiots. And I don't mean that. Yeah, I guess I do. I should repent. They're just, I don't know where they're coming from. But I go in my Bible, and the Bible tells me who I am to be. What is his role in my life? And then horizontally, who is Christ in me? Who is Christ in me? How am I dealing with day to day? Who is Christ in me? Am I allowing him to take the first place? How many know the Holy Spirit's a gentleman? He doesn't make us do anything. I would love to say, God, why don't you just do what you need to do? Here I am, I'm yours. You know, kind of like robotic. Wouldn't that be nice? Okay, you just push a button and God takes over. It's voluntary. What can I expect from Jesus? He's there. No matter what I'm going through, He's there. My expectation of Him is His presence with me. We go too far and say, God, don't put us in those situations. Don't put me in a situation, God, where I have to exercise my faith. Could you just, like, give me an easy day or an easy month? What we can expect from Him is He'll get us through, no matter what it is. 
The other side of the battle with Goliath was great victory for David, but he had to face Goliath. It would have been a great story if David would have just went out and went boo and Goliath died of a heart attack, you know. <laughs> Who is that on unsu- Wow, did you see David? He just spoke and the giant died. No, David had to run out with the slingshot. God is with us. What can we expect from him? He'll get us through what we're facing. And then the big question is, what is my expectation of others in this horizontal relationship that we have with one another? What can I expect from you? I always tell people, my expectation of everyone is down here. My expectation of Christ is up here. So if you let me down, I could fall that far. But if I have to fall this far, we put too much expectation on one another that we're going to be perfect. Guess what? We were talking about making mistakes this morning. I said, I only ever made one mistake, and that's when I thought I made a mistake. We shouldn't think too much of ourselves. We should walk this thing through. So the scripture says, having put on, or I'm sorry, having girded your waist with truth. It's interesting that the armor that God tells us to wear begins with truth. John 4.24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John 8.32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. There's a cost for this belt that we're asked to wear. We see the truth. We have no excuse. Come on, someone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then at verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So this truth begins to take some depth in our lives. The belt of truth is we know the right thing to do. It's if we will do it. That's the big question. It's not that we don't know the truth, because God is revealing the truth to us. Somebody says the belt holds your pants up. Your spiritual pants need held up. John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into some truth. I'm sorry? It says some truth here. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, he will speak. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. This first article of warfare is to know the truth, see? Because one of the things the enemy does well is twist things, and we begin to feel sorry for and have pity for those who are 
covered in sin and the sin that runs the world, we begin to compromise to make peace. No, truth is truth. Truth must be the core of our lives or everything is out of sync. You know, the thing is, is that we get so emotional about truth. Oh, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's the big thing. That's the 21st century thing. I'm offended. So? What do you mean you're offended? Because you hear the truth, you're offended? It's like walking to the edge of a 16-story building with a sign saying, please don't go any further, you'll fall straight down. All that sign offends me. No, the truth is, if you die in your sin, you're going to hell. No, the truth is, there's only two genders. No, the truth is that we respect those who have authority over us. The truth is that we lie, steal, and cheat. Come on, someone. And it's amazing to me how emotional the world has got. I remember back when Trump won the last election, they had screaming rooms. I forget what they called them. Universities opened up screaming rooms where kids could go in and sit and scream and cry and not feel like somebody was going to attack them for it. You know, Give me a break. Give me a break. This, this truth, if we're not girded about with truth, when we go into warfare, we'll be, we'll be taken captive or hurt because we believe the lie. The presence of truth need not be the absence of love. Our speech, like the Holy Spirit, must have its origin in Christ. We speak what He says because He is the truth. He said, I am the way and the truth, not a way or a truth. He's the truth. And so, thank you very much. I'll take what God says over what man says. Or what this guy says. He will be faithful to speak to and through us. We speak the truth. He will also tell us what is to come. Sometimes we don't want to hear what's coming. So we're girded about with truth. And then he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate is a protection of our heart and the inner man. According to Webster's 1828 version of the dictionary, righteousness is acting in accord with divine or moral law, morally right or justifiable. Again, truth and righteousness are twins. Truth and righteousness are twins. The truth is based in righteousness. Somebody says you have freedom of choice, but you do not have freedom of consequence. You could choose the way you want to go. God will never stop you from making the choice. He's not going to force you. But don't complain to him 
when the consequences are bad. The righteousness of God is in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the righteous one that lives in us. His righteousness is our standing in Him. Righteousness is not a medal to be worn. It's rather a character to be walked out. You know, we don't get a big star because we're righteous. Our very nature is righteousness, if we'll allow it to be. Come on, someone. Scripture then says, shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Scripture says, the ways of the Lord are peace and pleasantness. Wow. You mean, God, you can bring me peace even in the midst of turmoil and strife that we find our world in? Yes. He promises us peace. Our ways are peace. I want to get caught up in the battle. I'm a fighter, man. I I like a good argument. I really do. In fact, sometimes I'll just take the other side just so I can argue. I do, I like it. I mean, there's a very rare person, I guess. One of my closest friends lives up in um, Montana, uh, Steve. And Steve and I will get into it, man. And he's that kind of guy. He'll take the other side just to make me angry. And... uh, And at the end, he'll say, I was agreeing with you all the while. He gets me every time. But God promises peace. As a matter of fact, in John 14, 27, watch what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Boy, that verse has come to mean so much to me lately. God, you promised me peace. I mean, it's all the drama gone around me, all the trauma that's happening on the earth has no effect on me unless I let it. Jesus said to his disciples and he says to us, peace I leave with you. I'm not just letting you borrow it, I'm leaving it with you. Here's my peace, not the world's peace, but my peace and now it's yours. And I have times in my life when peace is so far from me, but I stop until peace comes. We are promised the peace of God that passes all understanding. John 16, 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Gee, thanks, God. I would have loved it if he had said, in the world you'll have peace. And I'll give you an added measure of peace. No, in the world we'll have tribulation. Why? Because we see you and I, our eyes have been opened, you see. We understand the conflict between sin and righteousness. 
We understand that it's going to be a battle. We should not be surprised. We should watch getting in conversations with earth people that agree with them, see? Because we know the conflict is a spiritual conflict. It doesn't have anything to do with Republican, Democrat. It doesn't have anything to do with white, black, purple, orange, green. It has to do with the spiritual conflict that is in our world because of sin. Want to blame anybody, blame Adam and Eve. It's your fault. We're here, but God promised us peace. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Oh, God, you mean if I keep my mind on you, I'll have peace? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. The ways of the Lord, the ways of the Spirit of God are peace and pleasantness. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Peace is freely given to us by Jesus. It's a covenant promise. My peace I leave with you. Gee, thanks. God, you left me peace. You know, the bottom line is peace must be pursued. If you can't find it, you need to pursue it because it's a promise of God. If it's hidden, it's hidden because of your unbelief or the enemy's attack need to remind yourself peace is available for you. Obtain it and maintain it. Peace, obtain it, and then stay with it. Look for it. It's there. I don't know how you ladies with your purses, I'm telling you. Gentlemen, can I get a witness? Ask your wife for something. They look in a purse that's this small, and 10 minutes later, they finally find what's in the purse that you ask for. Come on, don't let me hang it, guys. All the women are going, you better not raise that hand. Maintain peace in God. It's there. He gave it to you. He didn't, not, he didn't pass you by. He didn't give it to a certain amount of people and you don't have peace. You have peace. You have peace. And then faith. Above all, verse 16, taking the shield of faith, above all, here's the important thing, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And if you've been here at all, and I've talked about the shield of faith, in battle, the, the shield was uh, made just for the person. So you went and got fitted for your own shield. Your armor bearer carried that shield and then stuck it in the ground and had a little tine on the end, stick it there, and you fought from behind the shield that covered you from head to toe and from side to side. God's got you covered. And it's only by faith that we can grab that. The enemy will tell us we're just naked and open to him. But we're not. We're covered with the shield 
of faith. Something that protects and defends. And it's a promise of God and it's about God. I said this to somebody the other day, but God, whenever God tells you to do something or go somewhere or speak something, He's already got it planned that He's got you covered. We waste our time when we say to God, we waste His time when we say to God, God, now you're sending me there. Are you sure you got me covered? Am I going to be okay? No, God never sends you into harm's way without protection. It's He that said, I'll never leave nor forsake you. Come on, someone. You are fitted with faith that covers you from head to toe and from side to side. God's got you covered. Well, God, why are you sending me into war? Because that's just the way it is. The enemy's not going to give up. He's going to attack. But we are going to win. The shield properly fits every believer, and it silences the enemy. We exercise faith all the time. We live lives of faith. Come on, somebody. You got in your car this morning. By faith, the car started. By faith, you made it here without hitting anything, I think. I didn't hear anybody say they had an accident on the way. Come on, somebody. The chair you're sitting in, by faith, you sat in it, hoping it didn't fall apart. I've had that happen a couple times. When I was a bigger man, I... I was at a party one day and sat in a chair and it broke. Trust God that he's going to get you through the faith that makes a difference. It's not faith in faith, it's faith in Christ. It's not faith in our acumen, it's not faith in what we know, it's faith in Christ. A shield of faith is born of God and is purpose of God to be ours. It's not someone else's faith, it's, it's fitted for me. So that in battle, I'll win. And I love the word all. I had a Bible years ago that I underlined all the places it said all. That takes you a long time. God never says some. He says all. Quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. You mean not one will get through if I stand in faith? That's right. That's exactly what I said. I've given you faith that you quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Will the darts come? Yes. But they won't get you because you're fitted for faith. You're not borrowing somebody else's faith. Faith isn't something I can give you. Uh, Pastor Rick, can you send me your faith today? I'm going to need to faith. Yeah, come over and get it. No, you're fitted with faith so that you win the war. It talks about the helmet of salvation. The common attack of the enemy is to challenge our salvation. He attempts to convince us of the failure we are. Salvation is held to the same standard as Christ. It's perfection. 
one of the things we have to settle is we're saved. If you have Christ in your heart, you're saved. Turn to somebody and say, if you have Christ in your heart, you're saved. Now, what's it mean to be saved? It means that we're taken care of. We're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new again. Christ is able to overcome. He is able to keep what is his. He says, I got you. You're saved. And again, he gives us the power and the anointing for victory. So here we are. We've got the truth. Come on. We've got the righteousness. We've got the peace. We're informable. We've got the faith. Then, let me find it here. And the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, you've heard me say that the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is our offensive weapon. Everything we talked about is defensive. Now we got an offensive weapon. One surefire way to always be in victory is to speak what the Word of God says. Not what we say. The devil could care less what our opinion is, but he knows the Word of God better than we do. And when we speak the Word of God, he's a legal expert. When we come against him, when we bind him, Satan, you can't have me, you can't have my children, you can't have my family. My God made a shame of you openly on the cross, triumphing over you in it. The devil knows he's meeting a formidable foe. The Word of God. It never passes away. It is the one eternal thing that we have access to. When we speak it, it's living. It's a living Word. That we speak it, it fights for us. It's our offensive weapon. It strikes at the very core of what the enemy is trying to do. So we memorize it. We put it to, so that whenever we're attacked, we can speak the word right out. It's just a supernatural, natural thing that comes up out of us. When we speak his word, there are eternal things released into the temporal world. He says in three places, Luke 21, 33, Matthew 24, 35, and Mark 13, 31, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. It's a living word. We can always count on the word of God giving us the guaranteed victory. Folks, it's not minute rice. You know, it's not microwave. We speak God's word and we wait. Daniel waited 21 days. Remember when he prayed and the angel said, I was sent 21 days. As soon as you prayed, I was sent, but I had some battle going on. Stand on the word of God, speak the word of God, and you'll get the victory. All the other things, the truth, the righteousness, the peace, the faith, 
We, we, we're fighting with those things. But we're seeing an answer by the Word of God, through the Word of God, for the Word of God, for our lives. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. So we are getting to touch something eternal. <laughs> and use something eternal. It's a mainstay of our life. We walk in the revelation of the Word, the light of His Word, the authority that we have. When we speak His Word, it doesn't need to be tested. It is final. We don't need to send out feelers. Well, let's try this, see if it works. You can guarantee when you speak God's Word, it'll work. It's been proven. As a matter of fact, the Word of God is who? Jesus. Man, that ought to make you shout. thought I was in a Pentecostal church. See, the Word will defeat the enemy every time. Why? Because it's been proven. And it's the key to every problem we face. The Word of God. What precious, 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 precious things are found in His Word. Verse 18 is so special. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. There is no... Substitute for speaking with God. Just no substitute. I remember going to a so so called prayer meeting. I was invited to. It was prayer lunch. It was called. I was pastoring in New York, and I went to uh, went to um, the prayer meeting, and I was supposed to bring a lunch. So I brought the lunch. And we were all sitting there and talking for 15 or 20 minutes. And then one of the priests told a dirty joke. There's a priest there, and he told an off-color joke that, that was like, where am I? I left. Never went back there. You can't substitute anything for prayer. Prayer is prayer. All of us have been to prayer meetings that you talk for 45 minutes and pray for 10. It's not a prayer meeting. It's a talk with a prayer stuck on the end. When we pray, we pray. It's a vital component of our life. Everything begins with prayer. Everything is affected by prayer. And we wait on God until the power comes, until the answer comes. Number one, quietly and secretly, we pray. We don't pray to be seen by men. We pray to converse with our God who reminds us of all the things we've been talking about this morning. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That intimate time with God cannot be replaced with anything else. 
Nobody can do that for you. You've got to do that yourself. When we pray, anxiety and worry goes out the window. Pray like God will answer you. Be anxious for nothing, uh, Philippians says, 4.6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious. Pray as if God will answer you, and He will. Am I the only one that's ever gone to God and say, Did you hear what I've been praying? I mean, God, I mean, this is a repetitive thing, God. I'm not getting answered. Are you there? Did you hear? Is there something going on? Is there a concert or something going on in heaven that you're not hearing correctly? God hears. Be anxious. Don't be anxious. God will hear you. Release your faith and stand on His promises. Expect the answer you're looking for. Do not stop until the answer comes. You know what we're afraid of? We're afraid God will say no. We're afraid God will say, uh, no, that's not what plans I have for you. It's funny, once we hear from God, we uh, sometimes we want to argue with Him. God, are you sure that's your, is that your final answer? Lastly, be steadfast. Be consistent and wait on the manifestation to come. Just wait. Exercise all the other things that God gives you. The peace that passes our understanding, exercise that. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Be steadfast and wait on Him. As I said, the armor is such a precious gift to us. God, by His grace, I've said this many times, God, by His grace, birthed us for this time because He knew that nobody, nobody is here by accident. We're here by purpose and plan. Amen? Come on, turn to somebody and say, he's talking to you. Purpose and plan, God has us here for. So it's been a nice journey through the book of Ephesians. We love you very much. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great day that you have us in. Thank you, Father, for the armor that you've given us. Thank you for your word that enlightens us, causes us to have peace, even in transition that we're all going through right now, some very new hearing about this. God, we trust you. God, you place people here and you place people there, but it's your kingdom that we're concerned about. Thank you for new life. God, we just pray for this church to continue to be a beacon. Father, you have some great plans for it moving forward. We know that. God, we thank you for the other churches in the community. We ask you to bless them as well. Father, thank you for leading and guiding our footsteps. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. God bless you.